0: Everybody here on a cold Wednesday night, kind of drizzling rain, but I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Now, um, how many of you that have children still at home put your name in the pot? Okay. Um, If you, um, Barbie, just watch and if anybody else comes in, um, be sure before we do the drawing, If you have children at home, you need to put your name in the pot for a drawing. Okay? (laughs) No. I would say in high school and lower, and and the younger the better. Okay, y'all can be seated. Um, We've been talking about worship. But before we talk about worship, just let me remind you that Jesus Christ is coming soon. And if you're not ready, you need to get ready. And if your children are not ready, you need to make sure your children are ready or do what you can to get them ready. We've been talking about worship. We've been talking about all the, the outward demonstrations of worship that we do. Is it biblical? And we found out that it is. It's very scriptural, the way we worship. But actually, for born-again Christians, worship should be a way of life. It's not just something we do on Sunday. We live our life in a way that brings glory to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've already established that people do not choose whether or not they will worship. They only choose what they will worship. So everything about the believer's life should revolve around the Lord Jesus Christ. And it'll be obvious what you worship because whatever you worship controls your body, soul, and spirit. Everything about your life should revolve around the Lord Jesus Christ. Your private life, your personal life that nobody sees but you and God, Your family life, your public life, your work life. Those guys you work with out of those plants, they need to know that you're a Christian and you're a born-again believer. Jesus told the woman at the well, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. This word spirit is spelt with a little s, which refers to the human spirit. Look up spirit in Webster's Dictionary and see what it says. I was shocked. I'm not going to tell you. Go home and look it up. So, in other words, we're to worship him with our human spirit. So we are to worship him with all the enthusiasm we can muster. To worship in truth means to back what we express verbally and emotionally by a life of discipleship in accordance with divine truth. worshipers must put their heart into it and offer God the best that they have. The more you grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord, the more you will appreciate who He is and what He's done for you. And the more you appreciate Him, the easier it is to worship. Worship is a celebration of being in covenant relationship with the living God. Now, how many of you are married here tonight? Marriage is a covenant. If your spouse says, I love you, but never follow up with loving actions, if they're unfaithful to the marriage vows, those words will sound very hollow. To the point of being offensive. So it is with worship. Worship that is not backed up by dedication. Is strange fire and unacceptable to the Lord. Does this mean I have to be perfect? If it did, none of us would qualify. Brother Myers said, I'm so glad we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be perfect because we're not, that's an unattainable goal. We are to strive for it. But we are to give God, we just need to keep trying to give God our very best. And keep in mind that worship is not about you. It puts the emphasis on God. True worship will be practiced not only at the altar, but in every area of life. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He condemned the Pharisees because they honored him with their lips, but their hearts were far from him. True worship. Okay, their hearts were far from him. In marriage, this doesn't work. Your loving words mean nothing unless they're followed up by loving actions. Amen? The same is true with God. The great thing about loving God is the fact that the more you love God, the more you're able to love others. Loving God will enhance and enrich every relationship in your life. Let's read Mark 12 and 30. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. To love God is to know him through prayer and the study of his word. Prayer is the most talked about Christian discipline and the least practiced. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Does anybody else deal with that besides me? We know what to do. We know the power and rewards of prayer and Bible study, yet we struggle to make it a priority. We know the rewards of eating right and exercise, but we struggle. (laughs) We struggle to do that. Discipline is an ugly word. But discipleship comes from the root word, discipline. The one thing that brought the importance of my spiritual life into sharp focus was the birth of my first child. Because when I looked into her perfect little face, it hit me like a ton of bricks, Barbie. I am responsible for a soul. As parents, we've got more to be concerned about than just ourselves. And that brings me to the topic I want to talk about tonight, which is family worship. Before there was a church, there was a family. Before God established worship in the tabernacle, he established worship in the home. God specifically requires the head of households to lead their families in worship, That doesn't mean that the wives can't take apart or cover if the husbands can't do it. Somebody just needs to do it. And husbands, it's your responsibility to see that it's, it's taking place. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently. Everybody say diligently. Diligently to your sons and daughters. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Jesus should be the topic of in your home, from sunup to sundown, from the time we get up till the time we go to bed, there are opportunities all throughout the day to, to remind your children about the goodness of the Lord and, and teachable moments. Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now and always, parents... Now and always, you are your child's most influential teacher. And, and you know what? The grandparents get a second chance at the kids when they get to help parent the grandchildren. 3 third John 1 and 4 says, I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth if our children walk in the truth it won't be by accident. Joshua 24:15 says choose you choose for yourselves today whom you will serve but as for me and my house we will serve the Lord. As parents it's up to you, us to set the tone in our homes of who and what we worship. It's our responsibility to lead by example a life of dedication and worship to the Lord and to diligently teach our children the ways of God. Children learn everything from us, the good and the bad. They're watching and imitating us. They live with us. They see us every day. We can't fool them. They know what's important to us. Actions speak louder than words. You've heard that before. How are you going to teach them something that is is wrong if they see you doing it? Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. This proverb has often brought heartache to parents who have tried their best to train their children in the ways of God, only to see them walk away and leave the faith. But did you know that a proverb is not a promise? A proverb is a general truth. It's a fundamental principle. It should be true. It should be true that if you train up your children to love God, that when they're old, they're not going to depart from it. At any rate... We only have them in the home for a few short years. So we need to make the biggest impact that we can. We start when they're a little bitty. Because I honestly believe that if we, if we instill the word of God in our children and we're, they're in powerful church services and a lifetime of that, even if they walk away, I don't think they ever really get away from it. And many times, and I thank the Lord that later in life, they do come back. I'm thankful my son's sitting here tonight. I'm thankful he's back. And, and you know, so so don't lose hope. If you have children away from God tonight, don't lose hope. Now, I don't care if it's been 20 years. God's not bound by time. So we have them just for a little while, and then they're gone. And we're so careful to give them the things they need and a lot of the things that they want, preparing them for a successful life. But how much time do we spend preparing them for eternity? How many times I have wished... I could go back and do it over again. Most of the things that I teach concerning marriage and family, I've learned it late, Stephen. My desire to help families was born out of the pain and struggles of our own family. Because even when we try to do everything right, we can make a royal mess of things. But no need to fear. That's how we learn to depend on God. We serve a God who delights in rescuing us. Giving us second chances at lost opportunities. And restoring things we thought were lost to us forever. What a mighty God we serve, Barbie. When we feel helpless to fix the brokenness in our lives, and the desperation drives us to Jesus. That's when we find out that he's able to do exceeding abundantly more than we can ask or even think. Many times God has answered specific prayers that I've prayed for Rache and Ken. And, you know, when those things happen, it's... It's an awe-inspiring experience when you pray one, two, three, and God brings it to pass. One, two, three, just like you ask. The most painful experience in my life, and I'm sorry, Ken, but this is the truth, was when both of my children as young adults decided to leave the church and live totally opposite from how they had been taught. This is something I wrestled with for years. What did I do wrong? What should I have done differently? Why did God let this happen? How in the world did this happen? You know, I was at a ladies' conference in Lufkin one year, and and we were right in the middle of all this craziness. And uh, there was a preacher's wife up there speaking. And she was telling, bragging on her two boys and telling how they had raised them in the church and they had sent them to Christian school and they had had their, their family devotions and this and that and the other. And both of her sons were in the ministry. And, and I was sitting there thinking, I tried to do all that. So why did mine choose to leave? I, I, got, I couldn't listen to her. I got up and left. And went to my motel room and cried the rest of the day. But, but you see, now I'm, I'm a several years down the road. And look, my son's sitting here. So you can't look at the present circumstances and lose hope. Because that's not the end of the story. Because our children have got to know God for themselves. My son knows the Lord today more than he ever did as a kid at home because he's had his own experiences with God. And God has no grandchildren. They have to find their way to God. But God knows how to reach them. So don't you ever doubt that. Through the years, I have had so many young mothers ask me this question. How can I make sure that my children never leave the church? The truth is, there are no one, two, three formulas with a 100% guarantee. We're obligated to do our best and trust God with the rest. We have to understand that he loves our children more than we do. And I, that's a lot, because I love my, I could, I could look out the window and see my kids playing in the yard and get a, a knot in my throat and just, just tear up, so proud of them. Just the love just bursting. And your parents, you know what that feels like. But you know what? Our children are not going to make it to heaven on our experience. They've got to have their own. I've said it before, our best efforts are flawed because we're human but we still need to make the effort amen so i did some research on google about why christian kids leave the church and this is these are some of the things that i found number 1 they leave because they have troubling unanswered questions about the faith A solution is to engage the difficult questions with our children. Go to the Bible for answers. If you don't know the answers, ask for help. Educate yourself. Get involved. Let them know their questions are important to you. My daughter was struggling with her sexual identity, and I was clueless. She later admitted she couldn't come to me about it because she thought I would freak out. And you know what? That's exactly what I did. Today's children are facing unbelievable challenges that my generation didn't even know about. Just read the news. There's a fight going on right now in the great state of Texas in the city of Austin over the sex ed curriculum that the public schools have adopted without the parents' knowledge or consent. And the parents are turning out by the thousands to protest this curriculum that is perversion. It's porn. They're wanting to teach this to our children The world has gone crazy when sexual perversion is being forced on innocent children. So mark it down. Your children are going to ask you some hard questions because of what they're exposed to in this culture. And somehow we've got to build such a strong relationship with our children that they feel safe enough to talk to us about anything. Beware that you don't shame your child for a question. No question should be off limits. Never tell them their questions and concerns are stupid. (laughs) Which reminds me of something Annie said. Last week, she spent the night with me, and um, we were playing dolls. And so I said, Sissy, do you like my outfit? She said, no, that dress is too short. So I said, help me. And so she picked out my outfit, and I said, oh, Sissy, you're so smart. She said, I'm a smart aleck. (laughs) So I don't know what she thinks smart aleck is. I think she thinks it's something really good. But uh But then but then she said she said my parents won't let me say stupid. She said, "But they say stupid, but they won't let me say stupid." She said it as many times as she could <laughs> to tell me about it. Number two, they leave because their faith is not working for them. A solution is to be vulnerable with our children and to express that we too experience moments of doubt and disbelief. Share testimonies of your personal faith-building experience with your children. Explain to them the concept of faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. Take advantage of teachable moments throughout the day to point out God's faithfulness and involvement in your personal life. They need to see evidence in your lives that the gospel works. They're watching to see how you handle the difficulties in your life. If it doesn't work for you, why would it work for them? Number three, they leave because they have allowed other things to take priority. Oh, surely not. A solution is to start when they're little, making the church and God a priority in the home. Number four, this is the last one. They leave because they never personally owned their faith. A solution is to never assume they understand the gospel just because they live in a Christian home. Continually explain the plan of salvation and regularly ask your children if they believe. You need to ask them about when are you going to be ready to be baptized? You know, you need the Holy Ghost Research by the Barna Group demonstrates that parents who pass along their, to their children the baton of spiritual maturity and vitality have one thing in common. They take God's word on life and family at face value and apply those words faithfully and consistently. So how do we apply God's word faithfully and consistently to our children? Through family worship. An ounce of prevention It's worth more than a pound of cure. You've heard that? Don't wait till they get in their troubled teenage years to start teaching them the Word of God. You know, I did it with my children sporadically, not consistently. I don't even know if Ken remembers us doing family devotions and praying together at home and talking about the Bible. I remember one time I was telling Shay that Jesus was going to come back and get us one day, and she so sweetly looked at me and she said, is Jesus a bird? And I said, no, silly. Jesus is not a bird. But, you know, just trying to explain. They they don't know. And you don't know how they're going to perceive things. But we still need to try to teach them. So I wasn't consistent with it. My husband worked like some of you guys, shift work. So really, if If I didn't do it, you know, he wasn't home a lot at night or he had to go to bed super early. Whatever works for your family, that's what you need to do. If you can't do it every night, have one night a week set aside that you're going to have your family devotions. I was always guilty of putting church work ahead of my family. I'm ashamed to admit that. You know... It's good for you to be involved in church, but not to the point that you never have one-on-one with your children and your spouse. That's one thing Nikki when she moved in with us, that, that was one thing that she used to want me to do all the time, is just come sit on her bed and talk. And I've tried to think, how often did I do with that with my children? But I would just go sit on their bed and talk and just listen to them talk because they both could talk. (laughs) But, you know, I I think I was always so busy trying to get everything done, ready for the next day, work, school, church. We've got to take time to listen to our kids, look them in the face and take time with them to hear their questions and their concerns, just to get to know them. Family devotions are vital to your child's spiritual health, not to mention how it strengthens the family unit. It doesn't have to be complicated and hard. So what you do is you just decide, you know, if you're not going to do it for 10 or 15 minutes every night. Pick one night of the week and say, we're going to have family devotions. Have a plan. Read a scripture. Have one scripture you're going to focus on. Read a Bible story, a short one. Memorize a scripture together because even toddlers can memorize. Our God is one. What's his name? Jesus. Little babies can learn that. And, and have a memorized scripture. Sing together. Children love to sing and then pray together. It doesn't have to be our Father, God. You no, know, just something simple from the heart. Let your children hear you pray. And that's one thing that my children, evidently, they have picked up from me. They believe in prayer. It didn't matter. What was going on in Ken's life? He might not have darkened these doors for several years, but he would call me and say, Mama, pray. Mama, pray. Because he knew that prayer worked. And you know what else he knew? He knew Mama was going to pray. He knew Mama prayed. So you don't have to pray these long, fancy prayers with them. Just pray something simple from your heart. Entertain their questions. Ask them what they think about a scripture passage. Play a Bible trivia game. So that brings me to the family devotional giveaway. Barbie, have you got the names? Um. So put them in that offering plate right there. And kind of mix them up because I've ordered some family devotionals to help you I'm going to give two of them away they're not here yet because I just ordered them this week but when they come in whoever's name we draw tonight I will give you um okay Amy Grant well she was going to get one anyway Uh, Christian Cessna okay I've got one for Amy anyway so give me another name David Mikesell okay so, so David and Christian and Austin I will have your I will bring you your um, devotionals when they come in. Amy, I got you one anyway. But listen, folks. We need to get on our knees and pray for this generation. Even if you don't have little kids at home, my God, we need to pray for this generation. Jesus promised, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And by his mercy we get to be a part of this. If you have children who have left the faith and you pray, Lord, save them. Whatever it takes. Just remember, you don't get to pick what it takes. We need to do our best to raise a generation who will stand uncompromisingly on the word of God. Know what they believe and why and boldly proclaim the gospel. Can we just stand together and pray for our families and our children and pray for yourself that God will give us the wisdom to impart these spiritual truths to our children. Lord, we thank you for your word that is so incredible. It's so full. It's so rich It's life. It's power. And I thank you, God, that you've given us instruction for every area of our lives, God. And help us, I pray, for every parent that stands here in this room tonight, Lord that you would give them wisdom, give them a heart, God, for their children to teach them your ways. Help them not to be so busy, God, that they forget, Lord, that things are wrapping up and that you're coming back again. And and when you come back, it's going to be too late for us to get our houses in order. We need to do it today while we still have time. In the name of Jesus, I ask you to help us as a church, Lord. Help us to focus on teaching our children and imparting the truth to them God help us to live authentic Christian lives Lord that they can look at us and know God that we know you and they can look to us for answers because they've seen our lives they've seen you work in our lives God and I thank you for the church I thank you for your faithful people God I thank you for what you're doing in the end time. And I know, God, as this world grows more wicked and more dark, Lord, that the church will shine brighter and brighter. Help us not to back up and and to be afraid to speak what we know is truth, God, but give us a a boldness in the Holy Ghost to speak, God, and to teach our children. And when these questions come up, these delicate issues, Lord, help us to handle it, to speak the truth in love, God, but to speak the truth and to be firm and to not waver in what we believe that we stand upon your word and we thank you God for giving us the the strength and the help that we need the help that we need God that we can come boldly to your throne and you will always be there to help us in our time of need we thank you God for the privilege of being parents and God, help us. Help us grandparents, Lord. Help us still, Lord, to to sow into our children's lives and our grandchildren's lives and to pray for them. And, and to be involved in their lives, God. Help us, Lord. We so we so many times don't know what to do, God. We do our best, Lord, but we need you to help us, God. Help us and to be reminded of the things that we need to do to make you a priority in our lives every single day. Not just Sunday, but every single day. And we ask all these things in that beautiful name, Jesus. Amen.